0: welcome to episode three of the mtg untapped podcast i am your host i am the micah and as always or for the third time depending on how you think about it i am joined by the shaquille o'neal of your local game store or wait, you're a a celtics fan so i guess you're the no
1: that works no no the the big shamrock the big shamrock he was a thing (laughs) my
0: co-host costa how are you my friend
1: I'm doing good, man. Now, yeah. Uh, we we can go with Shaquille O'Neal, dude, because the big shamrock was a thing in Boston for a little bit. Yeah, I guess so. But,
0: <laughs> I mean, Bill Russell has the MVP award named after him, seeing it, or the finals MVP award named.
1: 11, yeah, 11, you know, uh, championships. Yeah, that's what he's got. I don't, Tim Duncan's the GOAT. <laughs> All right. No, 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 no. That's <laughs> enough
0: basketball talk. This week on the show, it's been a week since call time was made available to the public. And uh, we were lucky enough to take part in a private, pre-release-esque kind of event where, you know, a free friends of ours took all the precautions, you know. And we got some kits and played our own little three-round event, so we were able to do that. But more importantly, the all the Kaldheim cards have dropped on Arena and Magic Online, I guess. But neither one of us play Magic Online. So we will be talking about our experiences so far in the first week of this set's release. And, you know, maybe compare it to some of what we discussed on last week's episode and uh kosa how your limited experience has been so far
1: well i wanted to start off this uh show by first stating that i might have been a little wrong about divine gambit but i you know i'm not surprised people make uh stupid comments all the time and and sure enough uh that card has played a little bit better than i thought it would really it actually has. Yeah, I, I was surprised. Now, I'm not saying it's uh, an amazing removal card, but I will say that, uh, again, I'll read the card for those that don't know. It's Divine Gamut, so white, white, sorcery, exile, target, artifact, creature, enchantment, and opponent controls. That player may put a permanent card from their hand onto the battlefield. So right off the bat, I thought this was pretty unplayable because I was thinking that I was going to exile something, and then, of course, they would you know, put some big creature permanent out there or whatever but you know i kind of forgot limited. it's not like you can curate to always have like card advantage and stuff and so what ended up happening was there was a lot of times where uh my opponent and actually i wasn't the one playing the card they would wait till i had basically nothing in hand and you know you can kind of tell uh, an opponent's play style depending on if they're playing creatures or not and and, and for the most part in limited there's no reason why you shouldn't run out your creatures yeah there's doom scar and, and dead in the snow or whatever but even then you're generally going to run out your creatures and so i happened to uh let's see who did i get i got the green blue snake coma right and uh mm-hmm. at this point i've cleared my opponent's field and i'm feeling really good because i'm making a snake token which i neither me nor my opponent read the card correctly and i was only making a a sn- snake token on my upkeep i didn't realize it was each upkeep so anyways you know feeling good or whatever and then uh i'm like oh yeah i'm about to get this card or you're about to get the snake token we're gonna be good well he divine gambits the thing and it's gone and i'm like oh my god and i have nothing in hand to put in the field and so again this happens but this time in in another i guess oh yeah because in the same kit i had uh the four three angel it's the mythic one and i had that one on the field and uh Oh, yeah. Eradicator Valkyrie. Uh, so that's two Black Black for uh, Flying Life League Hanks Proof. Planeswalker with a boast effect. And uh, same thing. He waited till uh, I basically, you know, he could kind of figure out what I was playing and wasn't playing. Boom, exiled it. And that kind of happened to be the theme throughout the the times I played this. And even uh, going on to Arena, same thing. People have been playing it that way. So, uh, I mean, I have gotten some people, some people have done that to me and, you know, they got rid of my flying creature and I was able to put out, you know, the five, five elf guy, but that card has actually impressed me. Yeah, I was pretty wrong. So
0: I, I don't think you were wrong. I've seen the card once and it was only when my opponent chose to discard it.
1: <laughs> well, Hey, that's good. It's good. Discard fodder too. Right. So I get, I don't know. It says on there, it says, if you're useless, discard me. So that's what they did. <laughs> so that was in a sealed. That net. was in. sealed that wasn't sealed yeah for, for the coma yeah
0: maybe in sealed it might be a little bit better cuz it's such a more bomb intensive version of limited cuz sure. synergy isn't as big a thing in sealed mm. but i still think the card sucks
1: like i said i'm not saying the card is the best removal i'm simply no, saying no yes that. you are
0: that's exactly what you're <laughs> you are saying you think it's better than path to exile that's mm. that's ex- i mean i get
1: i mean i don't like giving my opponent's lands so well, that might be the best
0: case scenario
1: with Divine Gambit. <laughs> that's true.
0: Well, I guess, no, you laid out that I mean, if, if your opponent's hellbent and have no cards in hand. That's yeah. your term term MTG term of the day for any newer players. But
1: Now, I can't say that for standard, uh, which we'll get to a little later, but uh, you definitely don't want to be playing that card in standard right now because there oh, gosh, are a yeah. ton of things your opponents can be just molly whopping on you. Uh, but anyway, so Divine Gambit was the first thing. And then, um yeah, overall, I think my impression of just the limited is kind of what I, I thought it was going to be, uh, which was grindy. I didn't think it was going to be as grindy as it's been playing out. And again, I've played, let's see, we did our sealed event. We did it twice, basically, amongst us. And then I've done about five or six drafts already on Arena um and so far it's been just so grindy and i like it actually I, I i miss this style of magic there was a time when modern was very grindy and it was all about attrition before it got to this degenerate you know combo kills or whatever but i've really missed the style of magic it's played out very well the great thing about this is there's so many tribes there's so many different avenues to go with your decks and while a lot of it might feel excuse me the same um, there, there really are different ways, a lot of different ways you can go about building or, or drafting your deck, and so it's been really fun. I, I don't know if you felt the same way overall or not.
0: I've not found it to be incredibly grindy. Um, actually, if uh, if any of you follow us on Twitter, I actually shared a, a black white deck that I thought was really sweet. And I went seven and one, but that one loss was literally like the longest limited game I've ever played on Arena. My opponent naturally drew their entire deck. They had no cards in library at the end of the game. But they ended up killing me on that turn. I might have may or may not have misplayed that resulted in me losing, but other than that, I don't I haven't found it to be any more grindy than like Zendikar or M21 or anything like that, but oh. I've actually really really enjoyed it. I've probably done like 10 or 11 drafts. Ignore the fact that I've only post, felt confident enough to post two to the Twitter page. But I'd say like on average, I create like four wins or so on arena. I really enjoy the different archetypes that they have in this format and how each one isn't so rigid that if you like a bad red, uh, red, blue giants deck it can still be like a really good deck. If you don't get as many giants, just cause like a lot of the pure, like mid range red and blue cards in the limited format are pretty good. In my opinion, I've tried to like draft a different archetype, like every single, not every single, cause naturally you just want to do whatever the draft dictates you do draft well for whatever your seed is. But have you had any archetypes have really appealed to you in draft at least?
1: There's no one that stands out to me. I mean, I've done I've done the red blue giants. Uh I've done the saltice snow. I've whew, I guess harking back real quick to the to the seal that on the Twitter as well I posted a picture of uh honestly just three cards and that wasn't even the bulk of it, but I was in the perfect sealed box if you will Uh, i had black green elves i still ended up losing because the the sultai snow deck that i went against at the end was really good but yeah i mean i had tyvar i had two of the skimfar shadow mages um what else did i have in there i had the saga the red green sorry the green black saga heralds unites the elves or whatever i mean i just had the works and i mean as far as it being I don't know if it was the best. It wasn't because I lost, but that was pretty fun. Um, but I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really put, I haven't really figured out what my, what archetype I like best. I just know that currently right now, even exploring all of it, there's just so many. Um, I guess it's easy for me to kind of gravitate towards the soul snow because it just does a lot of what I want to do. A lot of times in limited, which is basically grind my opponent out. I mean, you get things like spirit of Aldrigard. That's a three and a green for a, snow bear <laughs> he's a zero four when he enters or atbs you get a snow land reveal it put it in your hand and then he gets one oh for each other the snow permanent you control that card's been great um and that has allowed me to definitely be in this soul snow decks because it, you know it fixes your mana and whatnot and because your dual color lands are uh you know snow permanents they're you know they're great so yeah i haven't uh, i haven't really got there yet with it as far as picking that
0: how uh, high do you value Shimmer Drift Veil? For those who don't know, it's uh, a snow land that enters tapped and you can choose any color and it taps for that color.
1: I'm pretty high on it. Same. It'll it'll just depend, again, on what deck you're in. I don't know if it needs every deck, like the the red-white uh, artifact deck it probably doesn't need it, but overall, it allows you to be very open. So if you're looking at your pack, let's say it's like pick three of pack one or, or whatever, right? If you don't see a card in there that, you absolutely have to take, but that's in there. That's probably usually a pick for me because it just opens up so many things in your draft pool. So
0: you can never count on it wheeling. Someone's going to take it because it's great mana fixing. It's snow, and those two things combine. I'd pick it pretty highly myself. It's like even if I'm not even in a snow deck, the opportunity to maybe go into a more snow skewed deck or splash something makes it a very highly draftable card, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I think I think right now it'll still. I, I've actually gotten it to wheel, but to be fair, I agree with you. I think the further this draft format gets figured out, it'll probably be a high pick. I, I don't know. I think it 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 could be like a, a top five pick, just depending again on how the format plays out. I mean, and again, because it's a snow card, um, you know, that's probably a pretty high pick for anyone in snow because it happens to be a snow land any color, um, and for every other deck that just wants fixing. So I, I probably agree with that.
0: One of my. Uh favorite cards. It's a green uncommon lit jar a glade warden it's a three and a green for a shapeshifter with changeling duh but so it's, it has every creature type and it's a three three but has the activate ability two in a green and tap it exile a creature card from your graveyard and then put two plus one plus one counters on target creature activate this ability only anytime you could cast a sorcery i really enjoyed playing with this card the past like i think i've had it like two of the last three drafts that i've done one was really fun where uh, I was a uh, like I had like three demon bolts, and so I was like after pack one, I was like really firmly in like black red removal tribe I guess, and then I picked a Vorenklux. It was my pack two rare, so I got that, and then this was like I think my next pick, and it synergizes very well with Vorenklux. But you know I like never want to count on having a mythic, but either way I just found that. If you untap with it, you activate it. Never, I'd say never put the counters on it. But if you put it on like, like you have a random 2-2 two, two out there, now it's a 4-4. It's like if they have a removal spell, do they use it on this or the 4-4 four, four that's attacking them each turn? And so I found that to be one of my favorite. Have you had a card that stuck out to you as maybe one of your early favorites in the first week?
1: Honestly, I think it's the spirit of the Guard, like I said, because of the flexibility. I didn't want to mention on about Lajara. Yeah, I agree. That card is a must answer. I will say when you're behind, uh, it's not very good. I, I mean, it's a good card. And, a bit too and slow. Right, right. The fact that you have to do it at sorcery speed really hurts the card. Now, that doesn't take away from how powerful it is, but I've been in that position where... I'm trying to stabilize and I pulled this guy out and I was like, Oh man, like it's great. Like if I had a turn to make it a five, five and whatnot, it'd be good. But um, yeah, no, it's a good card, but yeah, I just wanted to point that out for our listeners that definitely don't count on it. Stabilizing you at the end there.
0: And who am I kidding? You already said what your favorite card is. Divine gambit. <laughs> Best white removal spell ever. Swords to plowshares can get out of here.
1: Oh man that would be uh that would be something if that was the case but thank god that is not the case because okay i'm still telling you that card is not that great it just happened to be better than what i thought it was <laughs> no you think it's the
0: best card ever printed
1: look if it should be was- worth
0: more than black lotus in your opinion
1: look if we had levels of things right just because i say something is better than it was you know like garbage is still a little bit better than garbage but it's garbage right so anyways
0: all right, what do you think is the best card of all time valkyrie sword or divine gambit
1: Hey, that Valkyrie sword has been a boss. So let me tell you something. If it wasn't for, oh my God, so I got to tell listeners this. So I was playing, so I had one of these drafts or whatever. I was so miffed because Sculptor of Winter, it's one in a green rogue snow elf um, and it untaps a, a target snow land. So I like the perfect curve. I, I went turn to Sculptor of Winter turn three i had glittering frost which is two and a green for a snow uh, enchantment aura so it enchants the land it becomes a snow land and then it, it taps when you tap that land it makes an additional color of your choice so i went the elf the glittering frost so on turn four I, I play my next land so essentially i have seven mana because the sculptor winner gets to target the land that the frost is enchanting taps for it twice right there so there's your seven mana and i played the the sword but i hadn't made the mana yet and the thing just bypasses the part where you can uh if you wish to pay for the additional cost when etbs i was so pissed dude i was like you've got to be kidding me i got the perfect curve and my opponent you know Gives me the the good job emote or whatever. I was like, this is some bull crap. So, just for y'all out there, just know that it's still kind of buggy right now. So, if you're gonna do anything with the the Sculptor of Winter, make your mana first, so that way things like that don't happen. But um, yeah, that that uh, that has been good. Now, I, I mean, it hasn't been the best uncommon.
0: i I've actually really. Enjoyed play. I, I had it in my that black white deck that I told you about. And like one turn, I went like uh, turn one, Battlefield Raptor. It's a flying one, two, first strike for a single white mana. Turn two, <laughs> play this. Turn three, equip it and just start swinging in. Right. And I think on, on turn four, I actually cast a Righteous Valkyrie, which is a three, two flyer for a three and a white. It also has the alternate casting cost of one and a white if you exile a creature card from your graveyard. And so that's like six power turn four. Just like my opponent, like, conceded, like, not the next turn, but the turn after, I believe. Because I also had a couple of removal spells, so I kept... Whatever they were doing, I was blowing up and then swinging for six. So I, and then another... I actually have the... Wait. That's not Righteous. What's the... Stalwart Valkyrie? Because Righteous Valkyrie is the rare, which was also in my deck.
1: Hmm, I'm trying to remember with the Stalwart Valkyrie.
0: Yes, yeah, so Stalwart Valkyrie. is the, It was the three and a white, four mana mm. common flyer. But I also had Righteous Valkyrie, which also synergizes very well with the card. Because in another more grindier game, I'd have a righteous Valkyrie in play. And then the sword comes down, makes an angel, gains me for life. And then all of a sudden my, my entire team has plus two, plus two.
1: Damn. That's pretty good. <laughs> and speaking of actually real quick, since you asked me, I'm curious, what is your, Oh, oh sorry. What is your best car? Co- what do you think the best common is in the set? Cause I really can't nail it down. I, I know the sword has been really good, but. Wait, wait, uh, best
0: common or uncommon uncommon uncommon. Hmm. I think I'd still go with the. I know it's not because the gold card is not as flexible, but Binding of the Old Gods.
1: Mm, okay.
0: Just because it's an answer to anything. And right. then it ramps and then Death Touch. Speaking of Death Touch, actually, I've gotten close twice and I'm just so upset that I just didn't get there. Finn? There's the Yes, the Finn. <laughs> He's a one, a green for a one, three Death Touch, Finn the Fang Bear whenever a creature you control with death touch, deals combat damage to a player, that player gets two poison counters. And if a player gets 10 poison counters, they lose. And I've gotten someone to eight twice. And they had a blocker, but they just weren't blocking. Cause you know, it's not, they didn't want to, but they would have had to, but then it's, so I wasn't actually super close. Like they weren't dead on board or anything, but I just wanted to get that poison win at least once.
1: Well, like Vin Diesel said, uh, winning is winning don't win by inch you know or it doesn't matter if you win by inch or a mile actually so.
0: don't think i won either of those games
1: but um <laughs> uh <clears throat> it was a very
0: common play pattern is i'd play a finn out there and then i'd cast a, like a guardian glade walker and put him a give him a one one counter so he's a two four and he's like all right i'll double block but or the opponent would want to double block it but they do then they lose both creatures so that's a very common play pattern for me get a little nice little one one counter or two one one counters five lit jar
1: out there speaking of a uh, gold cards i'm glad you brought that up the other card that surprised me um was agar the freezing flame so he's one blue red um he's a three three whenever a creature planeswalker and opponent controls is dealt excess damage if it was a giant wizard or spell uh you control dealt damage to it this turn draw a card and so i'll be honest a lot of times when the new sets come out i don't read cards <laughs> because mm-hmm. i'm just like whatever i just want to play with these cards and uh so i got i, I, I got matched up against this card i can't remember if it was on arena or, or during our pre-release but uh it was a uh, it's a pretty good card the fact that it's a three three body for three so it passes a vanilla test and then um having your you know there's a lot of ways to deal excess damage and and specific squash that card is so good by the way i love that mm-hmm. card i think it's i think it's standard playable if, if giants can break out and uh yeah just being able to cycle your squash is pretty crazy or have your creature deal excess damage because it's a giant a giant giant haha you know that pretty pretty great card
0: yeah i really agree and uh i had a really sweet blue red giants deck it was like probably my third or fourth deck that i drafted i think i got like only got four wins but probably could have played it better but i had two agars and if you have few giants but I had the, the amulet, the blue equipment, that version that gives it a plus zero, plus one, and hexproof as long as it's untapped. but also has the alternate that you can pay uh, three and a blue. Giant's amulet. So you can pay three and a blue to make a four, four giant wizard uh, yeah. Yeah, and equip it. And that and a few other giants in swing. And if they want to chump, they can chump it if they want. But if you have Agar out there, if they chump it, then you get a, get to draw a card. So that's pretty nasty so i really enjoy if you're able to pull off giant tribal and draft i'd feel very confident especially if you manage to get an ar in your deck
1: yeah speaking of that deck too i just wanted to touch on some points maybe for the listeners as well if you're looking into any archetypes um we'll use giants as an example but this is pretty obvious but for some people it can be overlooked the changelings take them highly if you know you're going to be an archetype and in specific miss walker has played out so well uh, and especially the giants again i mean i kind of knew the synergy or whatever but i didn't realize how good it was going to play out but the fact that you have a one four body that triggers a giant ability and then gets to get in for two three damage when you want to that card is a really good common uh, again just another surprise i think this this set so far i mean again we're in the first week but this has played out way better i think than most draft sets um in in recent i I guess Icoria, I would consider was really fun. so Icoria and M twenty one, I consider it to be, uh, the best draft sets so far for this year, right? Because I think because Theros would be the beginning of the year. If not well, it's,
0: no, well uh, actually, this is a new year, so it's twenty twenty one, sir. Oh,
1: you're right, you're right, you're right. Well, I guess from last year, Theros was the beginning, correct? Hmm. Yeah. So I I think for me, my favorite was uh, Icoria and M twenty one. Uh, simply and, and, and usually i'm not really a big fan of core sets but i think they did a better job than most i like the the avenues you could do there a, a little more simpler but still a good job um yeah this so far okay so let me ask you this do you th- find this one currently more entertaining than the zennikar do you like a Zenicar better
0: i like this one a lot more yeah, okay, i haven't cool. drafted as much in like the first week of a sets release for sure i guess technically today as of the release of this podcast is the official release day but I don't get why they call it anything like pre-release or anything like that anymore because the cards all come out that week. It's on like an arena, MITGO. So yeah. I really I really enjoyed playing it. So I like it a lot more than Zendikar. I've heard some complain that... uh, We actually talked about this briefly on the podcast, but how every card seems to be a book now. There aren't that many vanilla creatures out there in this set. Thank and God. I can understand that if there's a... For like new players, but for the... Very mediocre experienced player that I am. This has been one of the more fun draft sets in my opinion.
1: No, it's been it's been it's been a doozy, that's for sure. Was there uh, any more cards you wanted to touch on for limited or are we gonna move on to our next segment?
0: I, I, I Micah's rant of the week. So we did that pre release thing and one of my rares was Tundra Fumarole, one red red for a snow sorcery that Deals four damage to target creature or planeswalker, and for each snow mana that you spent to cast it, you get a refund of a generic mana that doesn't go away this turn as long as phases and whatnot end. And I'm just like, why is this a rare? Like it's, I mean, unlimited. limited, okay, it's a good removal spell in limited. I'll give it that, but at common, you have Demon Bolt which deals the same amount of damage to the same amount of targets, but you can foretell it and then cast it on a later turn for a single red. In my opinion, in limited, Demon Bolt, if I had them in the same pack, all right, granted, I'm a big rare drafter. I'll just, I'll take rares just because I like drafting rares because drafting rares is fun. But if I was an objective person and had them both in the same pack, I would feel more inclined to take Demon Bolt than Tundra Fumarole. Because it's also an instant, not a sorcery.
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, you know. I didn't even think about that, but and that's just—it's kind of funny too because it's not really like red is a snow color.
0: Well, it was, it was part of a cycle.
1: Well, I get that, but if it was going to be part of a cycle, I, gr- I I guess I now agree with your rant that they should have made this card better. Should have been, <laughs> <able to laughs> pretty... been able to go upstairs.
0: It should have like, been able to deal four damage, yeah. to, four damage to any target.
1: I agree with that. Actually, I think upstairs, and I might have made it too powerful, but at the same time, the the trade off is well. Again, we're thinking. I'm thinking about limited here, though. I I could see uh, it being a problem, like in constructed, right? Because you have access. To I've
0: I've so, seen where so. like they play Tundra roll and then they use the mana to like foretell a card.
1: Oh, that pretty powerful. It's yeah. rare. Yeah, I don't. I still. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get
0: you. I get you. So let me go upstairs with my red burn spell. But yeah, that's all I got. Have you have you played any, because I'm going to be honest, I played one game of standard on Arena. And this is going to segue into another thing we kind of want to talk about, which is our thoughts on the Tibalt's Trickery deck. But uh, have you actually had, had a chance to play any standard? Because I played one and lost very fast and just went back to drafting.
1: Yes, so I have played arena now or standard arena. Now I will say that I didn't make a new deck because I don't have a lot of wild cards. Well, uh, actually I, I lie about that. I have a ton of wild cards. I have like 50 mythic wild cards and stuff, but I don't like to spend them, especially when I don't know what the format's going to look like. But with that being said, I uh, I have played, I went ahead and used my uh, Selesnya Blink deck and just taking that deck against the field Um, and the other decks i've played so far i really like it Uh, i like the fact that for for, first of all my deck is very playable and was playable before the new set came out but um i did add a few cards uh, which one of them i would like to really talk about glorious protector so that's a two white white for a angel cleric that's flash and flying and when he or they etb uh you may exile any number of non-angel creatures you control until glorious protector leaves and then it has a foretell three which now reading that i didn't even realize this card had foretell so that's already how bad of a magic player i am anyways i uh so i added that to my deck and holy moly that card is really awesome especially in the blink deck of course because i have Yurion, i have a whole bunch of other etb tricks and whatnot and uh, just a few additions like that. These cards are pretty potent now. Yes, I know like Seth from entity goldfish has talked about the field being uh, or they're suspecting that throne will inevitably, inevitably own the field uh, after standards figured out. But I actually kind of disagree here. I think there's a lot of good cards. Now, the mechanics like adventure and stuff might still be uh, running the tables, but I think there's going to be a lot of decks that can actually break through because the I don't know. They just did a really good job with the mechanics and, and the car design here. And I'm really not going to evaluate whether or not we were right about, you know, the cards um, about the downturn of the power creep, uh, because it's really early to kind of evaluate that. I will just say, though, that with this brief intro, let's put it this way. When Zendikar Rising came out, the everyone was trying stuff on the the early access release or whatever. And then by week one, they had immediately ditched all those plans. Like they went right back to, you know, uh, adventure decks and whatnot. But here already we're seeing people still building new decks and whatnot. So that's, that's a really good sign that they might've really injected healthy cards and are making this a healthy format.
0: Hypothetical question for you. Sure. Because I think adventure is probably one of the reasons why Eldraine is as potent as it is. So if you took those, those, mm-hmm. Adventure cards, could we think of those as an earlier idea for what MDFCs ended up becoming? And would, like, Bone Crusher Giant, if you could only cast it for the two mana deal, two damage to any target, or the three mana, four, three, would it be as played as it is now? You could say the same thing for, like, Brazen Bar or, or any other adventure card.
1: They, I think they would be, but. Obviously, they wouldn't be as potent and so, or they wouldn't be as powerful. And I will put it this way definitely Bone Crusher because I think still having that access the four, of, three mana, four, three, <laughs> right? Three mana, four, three is just really strong with an effect that if you target it, it deals two damage, which is what, what red wants to do. Brazen Borrower might be a little less, but still, I don't played. think
0: Beanstalk Giant would.
1: No, Beanstalk Giant would definitely not. I mean, in certain decks, but you wouldn't see it. Like, ever. Um,
0: I think part of the appeal of Beanstalk Giants. Well, this is not a thrown up drain show, but I was the one that brought this up, I guess.
1: But yeah, that
0: was just a a random thought that came into my head while we were recording is that if adventures were MDFCs, maybe a subtopic for another day.
1: Yeah, I uh, I think they would have to fix the mana costs, which is funny because the that's kind of part of the MDFCs. Actually, I don't know, you know, not looking at this. Do you think that they adjusted for the cost this time? Because I know they did for Zendikar, right? Like we had a three mana uh, regrowth at sorcery speed, and you know, some, that's the first one that comes to my head. But looking at these, it looks like they didn't go full fledged into like let's make these overcosted. They actually made most of these cards. Well, um, I'd say like I think they made them
0: reasonable. One fundamental difference I think for these is that they're like all on
1: God cards right right and that's true too i guess i guess and maybe that was a good idea of them right so they, they over costed it on the lands and then for for these cards they like, like these
0: these ones are so. they're basically split split cards whereas the zendikar mm-hmm. ones were overcosted spells on lands and so that fundamental yeah, difference yeah. is huge in my opinion
1: so i think so i think if like Bean or not Beanstalk, but uh bone crusher i think if it was a one-mana shock on one side and a 4-3. Now, that might be still way too powerful, but then it would see a ton of play, obviously. Brazen Borrow, same thing, like a one-mana bounce or the Brazen Borrow on, it, on its side. Um, hmm, that was a pretty good uh, uh, brain exercise there. I didn't think about that.
0: And speaking of adventure cards, there's like none of them in this Tabal's Trickery deck. I guess I should probably describe it. So the idea is you cast like a Tormod's crit, which is a zero mana card, or a Stone Quill Serpent, which is an X card that you can just cast for zero and use Tybalt's Trickery, which is a new card from this set. It's one red. And you mill one, two, or three cards at random. This effect is so you can't like stack your deck so you know exactly which card you're getting. And then, you, then its controller mills that many cards, like we said. Then they exit until they... And then they mill... that spell's controller then exiles the top card of their library until they exile a non-land card with a different name than the spell that it's countered. The owner of that spell may then cast it without paying its mana cost and then all the exiled cards go in the bottom of their owner's library in a random order. So people are doing is they're using this to counter one of those zero mana things in hopes that they roll into the eight mana Ugin or the new Coma or I've seen where they try to run into the prismatic bridge, which is the other side of a secret God of the tree, which got a lot of talk on last week's episode. And so they can just get these huge things out on the battlefield on turn two and basically win the game from there. I've suffered from this once. I was actually pretty amused because I, all right, that was pretty cool. I'm going to go back to drafting Costa. Have you had any thoughts on this (laughs) deck?
1: Um, I think the only thing so far is I don't see it being very consistent and standard. And so that's a a good sign for me. Um, In fact, I really kind of like... Initially, I really like this deck because if you're playing in the ladder, it's really cool because you basically get to run through it really fast so you win or you don't win and i feel like in a lot of cases like uh best of one is what what it's all about you're just trying to climb the ladder so i don't really want to spend a whole bunch of time grinding um so i like the fact that it's got a it seems fair so far yes i've also lost to it um but i tend not to get salty when i play decks that are really risking it for the biscuit if you will now that doesn't mean that they can't make it more consistent, and it doesn't mean that it might not be a problem in other formats. So far, I've heard in modern, it can be kind of a, a real problem. I mean, and in there, you know, you're not getting Ugin, and I don't mean to poo-poo on him, but you know, you're you're casting Eldrazi's with annihilators and extra turns, and and stuff. you also so, have the
0: cascade spells that so you don't have to run that. You don't have to run any uh, like trickeries. You just heart. Like I've seen. A list I was basically one Tibalt's trickery, I can't remember the three mana cascade. They like pumps your team, but the most important thing is that cascades. So you cascade into trickery, which yeah. then counters it.
1: It's a violent outburst.
0: And then you run like two, a pair of miracles in your deck.
1: Yeah, yeah. So as far as standard goes, I think it'll be fine. Especially I haven't seen any matchups with uh, best of three, and I'm pretty sure there's a pretty good contingency plan there. I, I could be wrong, but um i don't i don't foresee it being a problem right now i will say that it's kind of funny that again they chose to basically print a, a card that does free stuff uh they've made this mistake over and over again however like we talked about in the last episode that it, it takes a while i mean i think for production for a set is like a year to year and a half and that's me kind of spitballing but i know it's a pretty long process so you know it took a while from the learner. Mistake. I'd
0: actually argue that it's not really free because it costs so many. Because you have to hard mulligan to get this, and oftentimes after you do this, you'll have like maybe one or two cards left in your hand. And but also, but like yeah, like you're saying, true. like in modern, yeah. it's like they cast their violent outbursts, they cascade into their one copy of Tabal's Trickery, and then they're like, all right, packed negation, not packed. What's the what's the force of negation?
1: Yeah, force of negation.
0: But then also, I've seen a lot. Of, they get their Ugin, then their opponents like, all right, untap a uh, Brazen Barber, bounce your Ugin.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's fixed.
0: When it works, it is hilarious, and you get the win. it's. I mean, it, I can see some people getting salty, but I feel like there's enough answers. That maybe the salty people are just the loudest. I just, I feel like the deck's actually quite.
1: Oh, that's. That's always the case. The saltiest people, I mean, think about it. Look at all your Yelp reviews, saltiness everywhere. No, I mean, I agree. I think, I think it's a much more fixed version. Um, and again, we're we're really talking about here's play experience. So, uh, does it provide the best play experience? Maybe not, but I think I do like this a little bit better than other things where you have a chance to win against this deck here versus, you know, these other combo decks, there's no chance of winning. So, um, I didn't know I had Yelp reviews, but okay. Um, <laughs> have you seen any other decks that have interested you? Um, there hasn't been one that's really hit me. There was a Jun deck kind of floating around using the uh, man. I'm forgetting the demon's name, but he the... turns all your cards into Fortel. Oh, we should
0: have, yeah, we should talk about that card.
1: Well, good. I'll let you. I'll let you talk about this one then.
0: All right. So it's a one in a black for a zero three that gives all your other cards that don't have Fortel Fortel. So you can pay two mana and exile them face down. And then you can cast them for, at a later turn for minus two off their mana cost. That turns out it's a pretty potent mana. It's like mana layaway. With it, you cast it on turn two. You untap with it. You can, or like if we're talking about standard. All right, I'm going to foretell my Ugin so I can cast it on turn six. Or blood on the snow, the new board black snow board wipe. You can cast that on turn four. You can do a lot of really cool stuff with this card. I, people, I don't want to say people are sleeping on it because there's it was getting a little bit of attention, but it might be a a staple and standard going forward.
1: No, I I definitely slept on this card because again I didn't read it. I just saw the picture and I was like, hmm, that doesn't look like it's that, gonna be a post that looks card. like a manador, doesn't it? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. No, I. uh, but no I, I slept on this card and seeing some of what it can do now again it's hard to say going forward with the kind of answers people are going to have for this how but the fact that you if it sticks and you get to foretell something i mean you really do get a really nice cost reduction it's basically worth the re- i mean it's worth the removal spell that someone's going to point at it right you have this card it reduces the cost of one of your cards and you take on a removal spell essentially from them yeah that's a pretty good play pattern so uh, I think this card is a, like you said, I think it's a sleeper. I, I don't know if it's going to break out and be something amazing, but I definitely, again, didn't recognize the power that it had. Um, so that was, uh, so anyways, going back to what I was saying. So there's a Jund deck that basically, yeah, you're reducing Ugins. Um, you're getting Vorinclex out there. And so, you know, you have Vorinclex, you play your Ugin that's reduced. It's doubled its uh, loyalty counters because of the uh, Vorinclex's ability ultimate right away. I mean, that deck seems really fun and that's something that I would like to try. I haven't seen, I was surprised. A lot of people talked about Turgrid, grid and maybe they were maybe focusing on commander, but, um, the other card real quick that I'll talk about is Goldspan dragon that card. Uh, i figured it would be a player because it was flying haste but again just didn't see the the two mana addition being relevant on the turn that you get to use it and so for those of you that don't know goldspan dragons three red red for a flying haste dragon whenever he attacks or becomes a target of a, of a spell create a treasure token and then your treasure tokens have sacrificed this add two mana of any one color so th- how it goes is you play the goldspan dragon if it resolves and your opponent goes to uh, remove it, well, they're pointing a spell at it, so it makes a treasure token. And if you're in blue, which a lot of these decks are running with it, uh, you know, there's negate, stuff like that. You pick your poison, but you get to counter it. In the same breath, right, if you go to swing with it, you know, it makes that token, and then they try to point their removal at it, et cetera, et cetera. So this card ended up being really good. Um, it definitely plays like the mono blue flyers list from a couple years back where you basically just have one threat resolve it and protect it the whole time and let it do its thing so yeah uh, i was i was pretty happy with that blue red is it deck that's floating around too i'm hoping it's not too oppressive i don't think it is because i played against it uh, against our buddy jason uh we were just doing some some testing and with my old blink deck i almost got him again i didn't win i almost got him and it was pretty promising that i was able to do as much as i did he just you know, he was—he uh he basically top decked the win of that gold span dragon. I was literally at like two life, and top decked it, got in the got in the bash, and killed me. So, but yeah, I think that's basically about it for the decks that I've seen so far and I've liked.
0: I've seen kind of like—is it flash blue red flash? The dragon isn't, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's if it resolves, it's net three mana at least for your investment that turn, and then if you get to untap with it, it's basically already paid for itself. Because you play it attack. Well, I guess, yeah, because then the second turn you attack and it's another treasure. So that's four mana with it in play. Then if they target it, that's a third treasure. So that's, yep. Another card, and it's not one that I've seen get a lot of play, but I feel like if we ever get more aggressive, this card might actually be preventing that because obviously there's Doomscar, but there's another board wipe in the set, and that's Crippling Fear. Two black, black, and you choose a creature type. Creatures that aren't of the chosen type get minus three, minus three. I feel like it would be very easy for this to be a right. one-sided board wipe. Maybe if you're a black aggressive deck, you might want it. Because like, if you're going up against another creature deck, then you have this one-sided board to clear the way for your team. So if they like one drop, two drop, three drop. If they played blockers, and you can remove them all with this spell. But um, maybe, but, um, maybe... I don't... I'm not i'm not a forward thinker when it comes to constructed but all right have you gotten the chance to put any of these cards in any of your edh decks yet
1: i did so i got to play with is it cosima let me find her real fast god of the voyage so cosima god of the voyage um i saw this card saw it wordy kind of theme of today and i was like okay whatever but uh, I actually did notice that this card would be pretty good in Commander because it's a very nice, uh, it's a protected way of basically card advantage or card draw. And so I actually have it in my Almanath deck, which I got to play. Yeah, this card ripped me like 10 cards in the span of like two turns of having it exiled, and it, it was just sick, honestly. Um Really fun. I, I didn't use the uh, vehicle side, but I did use the front side. Let me, let me read it to y'all, by the way. So it's Kasima, uh, God of the Voyage, two in a blue for a legendary god. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may exile Cosima. If you do, it gains whenever a land enters a battlefield under your control. If Cosima is exiled, you may put a voyage counter on it. If you don't, return Cosima to the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters and draw X cards where X is the number of voyage counters you had on it. So basically... You exile it, you put as many counters as you want, and when you're ready to draw that many cards, your last land ETB will get you all the cards. So yeah, that was really fun. Um, I, uh, I will say that there are times where you wish that you could trigger it a little bit differently i mean and most of the time like in edh you have a lot of fetches and whatnot but even then sometimes you kind of i had a, like a lapse of judgment where i didn't leave like a fetch open and so i didn't get to draw the cards to, like answer something but other than that yeah that card is really awesome obviously Warren collects i actually didn't get to play with Warren uh but uh, someone that i knew when we were playing spell table did and yeah it does the same thing as as uh the original one. Season? what is it uh yeah idyllic season same thing just just a monster uh and even better or worse depending on what side you are because it stops your planeswalkers and your shenanigans but it's sensitive to the best
0: Um, removal spell ever played the divine gambit oh it's a source it is it is sensitive sorcery
1: why do you think this is the best card ever i don't understand oh my god out of context out of context but yeah so uh those were basically the only two cards I really got to play with in EDH. There's a ton of them here, though, and as we go forward, Micah and I will definitely be sharing some more uh, interactions that we have with EDH because there's a lot of great cards here. I mean, I can tell you that I'm definitely excited to play with the Sika. Um, I-, I need to make that five-color deck, but you know that's one of them. Of course, you have Ron's Epiphany, another Time Walk Effect, Halvar God of the battle. I'm ready to put that in my equipment deck. So there's a lot of good stuff here. Um, so we'll definitely be bringing that to you the, the further we get along with our time adventure.
0: That'll do it for episode three of the MTG Untapped podcast. What are your thoughts on Callheim now that it's been out for a week? Let us know on Twitter at MTG Untapped pod. Or if you have any other ideas for things you'd like us to talk about, shoot us an email at untappedmailbag at gmail.com. And finally, if you like what you've heard, please give us a review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, and you can also now follow us on Instagram at Podcast. This has been the Micah signing off for Costa. Later.